Okay, serious question. Yeah. How do you know you have frostbite? <gasps> yes! Oh my god, why is this so cold, girls? That is my actual ear, <laughs> Chloe Jesus. Okay, first off, it is not my responsibility to make sure you have your headphones on at, at appropriate volume. Why okay? are you shouting directly into your mic? This is not how people act. And secondly, I have been talking at this volume for the past three years consistently the whole time you have known me this is not news Kate she's got you there okay I mean in fairness the one thing we can always count on Chloe for is consistency Katie like a nice pot of jam what Sarah that don't make no what are you talking about jam has a very specific consistency Sarah that make that is ridiculous. Yeah. What are you talking about? You are not going to salvage this one. I'll think of something. What? What could you possibly come up with that would move people past a comment that absolutely? So we we're in agreement then. Like chick lit is just real lit. You know, I think we can all agree that we're building our first homes solely out of books by women. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think we can all agree that K.E. is just as into K-pop as me, even though she thinks she's too cool and, like, won't talk about it when her bloke is around. (laughs) You guys both K-pop and, like, romantic literature can both cure heartbreak. That's what I'm talking about. Welcome to Chick Lit for Life. I can't. I can't believe you cut me off, man. Oh, you—you you had some critical information to share. Uh, yes. Oh, I mean, okay, Katie, you have the floor. What? Like, what is it you were going to say? I mean, well, like, I don't. Oh, no. so you were finished then? No. Oh, hi, Katie. Like, I mean, you know, I'm not okay with that cutting people off during the opening for like comic effect bullshit, cause like it get in the way of my flow. But like. Yeah, if you don't have more to say, then, I mean, that means you're done. That's head at work. I can't believe you are siding with them right now, man. Katie, this ain't about taking sides, okay? This about you being wrong. <laughs> why, why, why do I bother? What the fuck? I swear no, seriously, like, we shouldn't fight you guys. This has been an emotional couple of weeks. Hi everyone, Sarah here. Just interrupting for a second, it occurred to me when I was editing this episode that maybe you guys didn't want a 10-minute aside into talking about Jin from BTS and his upcoming military enlistment. So if you don't want to listen to that, please feel free to skip ahead to about 15 minutes in when we'll be done with that. But I mean, if you do want to hear about how that's affecting us, what the military enlistment process in Korea looks like and Katie reading from a super, super biased Wikipedia entry around that whole situation. Feel free to keep listening. Oh, how we appreciate you all. What? Ah, Katie, sucked you up going into the military. (laughs) No, no, it is. It is really sad. Like, who's going to do stupid stuff to, like, cheer us up now? Oh, my God, you guys, I have been looping that clip of him getting spun around during that flying yoga run episode, like, since last Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, that, that clip is instant serotonin, to be fair. No, like, genuinely, like, I'm really worried I'm going to get emotional. Like, like, did you guys see that? Well, obviously, you did see that photo at the weekend where he shaved his hair off. And, like, I got this, like, 
Kang. Like, I mean, there's not going to be any more Sukjini Opa live streams where he like says mad stuff and talks too fast and is all, oh, everything's fine. I'll take care of everything it is that you're worried about. You know, like, don't be worrying. Also, please stop talking about Yoongi. This is my live stream. Oh, oh, God. Oh, Sarah, are you okay? Like, I just really didn't realize that I'd gotten that reliant on that, like, Big Brother vibe that he's got going on. Aww. Yeah, I can see that. It's like so nice, Sarah. But, so, like, do that mean what? You're not going to like do the whole background thing? What you usually do when we talk about stuff like this? No, you mind, Jesus. Oh, I want to find out about the Korean military. Like, no, Sarah. Like, if you're not feeling up to it or whatever, N- no, like, like, man, no. This is this is totally fine. And you know what else? You know what else? That's what fucking Yopa would want me to do. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. You know, you know, why, why are you like this? <laughs> no, it's fine. So like, so like, yeah, like it's, it's, it was actually super helpful to, to look into this stuff because like, it's easy to think that something like military enlistment is like really dangerous and stuff but like that's that's kind of an availability bias thing like like the cases where people are being mistreated in in the military and stuff like yeah that needs to be reported and acted upon and like I know that's an actually an ongoing battle based on what I've read with with activists that like they're having that battle in South Korea but like assuming that oh my god that's gonna happen to my fave even though like thousands of young men have been discharged from the military without incident and like I've also never had a concern about this previously like that is kind of disrespectful on my part yeah yeah no I agree with that yeah like issues in the military system and the whole like people getting an exemption thing like even yeah the fact that it's just men who serve even though women want to serve as well like it's yeah there's all these systematic discussions like and yeah and that that's about the system it's it's nothing to do well not it's nothing to do but it's it's more about what affects everybody than what just affects people we're interested in we shouldn't just be like looking at it for just because you know our our favorite gentleman one of our favorite gentlemen is is now in the military Should I interrupt Are you babbling right now C- Could you see it in my eyes Such panic Clay I am so lucky To have you <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah Like yeah I'm aware That we're talking about this Like yeah Everyone who's listening Like gets what we're talking about But yeah um, Tuesday of last week Our beloved Jin of BTS Writer of hit songs About tuna Wearer of pigtails Just to make us laugh Owner of the Handsomest face there is Don't listen to a Jungkooky Opa You're the handsomest man Not your Jin I'm missing you Started (laughs) His mandatory Military service In in South Korea So like every Able-bodied man In South Korea Needs to do at least A year and a half service Which can be long depending on the type of service taken given you know the whole situation with North Korea and like how scary that is um there has been tons of like talk in the South Korean government about exempting BTS from service because there is a thing that artists and athletes who have won government accredited competitions are allowed to work as art sports personnel or yesul cheuk yowon that's hard to say. That's a lot of that's a lot of letters. Um, after a month of military training, art sports service agents work through their specialities to finish their military services. So like on professional sports teams, in art galleries, in museums or in orchestra bands. So the government had been talking about extending this to take into account BTS, given their impact globally. Um, but there wasn't a response on it. There seems to be this um, 
bias or something that that non-classical or non-athletic uh, achievements don't count towards this and given the lack of response that the group received they withdrew their request for an exemption earlier this year in what was quite possibly the most baller move ever no like seriously man like them being like if you guys aren't going to make a decision we're just going to do what like everyone else has to do anyway like that was seriously high plus like i mean not to say that an exemption is draft evasion, but but draft evasion is understandably really frowned upon, you know, especially if someone is exploiting family wealth or political connections just because you're doing better than other people. Why does that mean you get exempted and, and others don't simply because they're lower in the social pecking order or whatever? Yeah, like I read that a lot of entertainers, athletes, like politicians and politicians' children are known to like have fabricated medical reasons or like other reasons to seek exemption from, from medical, uh, military service. Oh, too many M's. Um, but yeah, there was this 2017 report by the Military Manpower Administration um, and the most common evasion tactic were extreme weight loss or gain followed by fabrication of mental illness which obviously I have a serious problem with and deliberate full body tattoos that's that's a really frowned upon thing in in Korea and yeah the fact that I don't know it's 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 kind of wild um Studying abroad or migrating overseas to obtain foreign citizenship, that's another one, particularly, obviously, for sons in wealthy families. Um, And nearly a hundred high-ranking politicians, including some sitting members of the the National Assembly, um, have managed to arrange unexplained exemptions for their sons. Um, So just to clarify as well, these cases of draft evasion, they're not the same as conscientious objection or, you know, based on political or religious grounds. Like, because those cases, the people tend to be imprisoned. These are full on exemptions. I shouldn't be in the army, but everybody else should be. So it's it's kind of cool that, that BTS were sort of like, no, do you know what? Everybody has to do this. We're going to do it too. No one is is giving us an answer here. Let's, let's do the thing that everybody has to. So can we, not to interrupt, but can we talk for a second about the super biased Wikipedia section on women in the military in South Korea because that was actual life. Well, I mean, I think the only thing for it, Kay, is for you to read it word for word. Well, like, seriously? I mean, I don't see how anything else is going to get us through this difficult time. Oh, my God. Okay, okay, okay. I just so happen to have it here. Um, God, so embarrassing. <laughs> so, so, according to the 2021 Portrait of Active Duty... Females make up to duty. <laughs> females make up to fourteen percent of senior enlisted and fifteen point seven percent as commissioned officers who went through officer candidate school. While there has been an increase in female officers in South Korea, the entrance exam has become quite competitive, resulting in a success ratio of 1 in 22. This in itself makes it harder for women volunteers for service. What? Harder for women volunteer for service. This must have been written by somebody whose English isn't their first language, which makes sense. Um, but yes, since they can only serve as officers. This debate continues to grow in South Korea involving women in the military. 
In 2019, a survey amassing 140,000 signatures demanding women be women be required to serve in the country's military just as men are. According to Korea's Women's Development Institute, more than half of women, or 57.3%, who responded to the 2019 survey all agreed that women should be required to serve. With so many women wanting to serve their country, why are the members of parliament dragging their feet? This is Wikipedia, and I love it. It comes down to <laughs> Gender inequality, capitalized. Confusion, which was spelled confusion um, in in the, the entry, which might be the most subversive typo ever. It's, I swear to God, I'm, I'm living for this entry. Um, confusion family values support traditional sex roles. Men doing typical male duties and... <laughs> duties. Female duties. For example, men being the breadwinners and women doing household work. This type of inequality led to women marrying later in age, later in life, and yeah, yeah. having fewer kids, resulting in lower fertility rate, which means fewer boys are being born to serve. It also leads the South Korean government to prepare a policy to lower conscription standards to get more, in quotes, able-bodied men to serve. Since South Korea in 2021 has the lowest fertility rate in the entire world, a title they also earned in 2020, instead of jumping through hoops to bait men that are unfit to serve, allow the able-bodied females who have already shown interest to serve their country. Again, this is Wikipedia, an information source. I love it. This is amazing. For, for more information on how Confucian ideology and culture kind of affect the experience of women, you can listen to our episode on Kim Jong born 1982, which was series four, episode six, FYI. Yeah, I completely forgot about that poor Jiang. Yeah, she taught us all a valuable lesson about the importance of keeping your sense of self good and healthy, which actually this book talks about too. Oh yeah, it is weird. Like, yes, like... It was so cool to like do a Christmas book this year, wasn't it? Yeah, like I'm not gonna lie, I was super excited for us to get like Christmassy. And like I really liked that like it wasn't a whole uh, everyone in ugly jumpers exchanging gifts around a fire because they're all family and love each other. Like it wasn't that kind of Christmassy. Yeah, like the Hallmark movie Christmassy was kept to a minimum. Yeah, like the Morphe family isn't like a fucking real life Hallmark movie every day at a bollocking year, Katie. It's not, mate. Does your man make her own mince pies? <laughs> like, Katie, does your man make her own mince pies? You answer me, you answer me truthfully right now. Like, they are most for the church bake sale for the St. Vincent de Paul. Well, now, in fairness, though, like, no, in fairness, Vincent de Paul do, do good work, all right? Yeah, like, yeah, there are a lot of people actually contacting them this year, I heard, with the whole cost of living going up thing. Actually, yeah, this isn't funny. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Like, yeah, actually, yeah, anyone listening that has, like, a couple of extra, like, quid to spare or anything, it would be worth thinking about supporting local outreach charities this time of year can be really hard for people that are already struggling to like keep the heating going and the lights on and having some place they can go to for support with groceries or like some extra money to, to make the holidays a bit more cheerful. It's it's so important. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. Cool. Keep it going, keep it going, girls. Good call. 
And like, I really liked how that was the part of this book too. Like, it was maybe like, yeah, the least kind of patronizing, like false positivity, toxic positivity Christmas story that I think I've ever read. There was none of that in there. Yeah, like absolutely. But do you know what? Actually, we should get into it proper now before we're at the end of the show and we haven't even introduced the book yet. Right, Sarah? Yeah, no, 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 you're right. Yeah, absolutely. Are you sure you're okay? Yeah, yeah, no, like, it's nothing. No, 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 you are absolutely right, Serge. This week's book, let's get started, um, especially for the time of year that's in it. It is our very own Kylie Dunbar's Christmas at the Bar, a bookshop. Yes. All right. Yes. yes. You guys might remember we covered this book's predecessor, The Borrow a Bookshop Holiday, in episode one of series six, where we met the very dreamy Elliot. Come <laughs> on, <laughs> <and> June. <laughs> and, uh, Jude, who we also love ever so much. Um, needless to say, they fell madly in love because that's how Kylie do this um, during said borrow a bookshop holiday. And now we're back in picturesque Clove Lord to see how they and the rest of the village are getting on, not to mention meeting the new holiday makers. I mean, Sarah, that was slick right there. What? No, that was that was nice. You didn't have that written down. You guys, there's no need to like go there no like it was like you should do the excerpt man you haven't done it yet this series um no 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 no. yeah you absolutely should no here i'll do kylie's bio one sec um yes so so our girl kylie dunbar is a scottish working class author of romantic fiction she has two kids one bedlington and lives in england with her husband of 22 years they just had their anniversary you guys it's so cute i just can't in 2019, her debut novel, One Summer's Night, was released by the fabulous Hera Books and was a Joan Hessian Award for New Writers Finalist. She has published seven novels, including the best-selling Borrow Bookshop Holiday. In 2021, her rom-com One Winter's Night was shortlisted for the RNA Romantic Comedy Novel Award and Kylie won their flash fiction competition on the theme of protest in December 2021. Okay, and we love horror. That need to go in here. No, yes, that is correct. We love Kylie. That is an accurate statement. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Sarah, are, are you okay to take us through the, the blurb and the excerpts? Um, yeah, sure. Yeah, no reason for that to be hard at all. It is just reading. Okay. Um, yeah, so, so yeah, for a summary of the book, um, with just two weeks until Christmas, everything in Clove Lore should be perfect. But the latest holiday maker to the Borrow Bookshop is feeling far from festive. Icelandic ex-bookseller Magnus Sturluson might be surrounded by love stories in the bookshop, but he's nursing a sadness that even fiction can't fix. When Alexandra Robinson finds herself stranded in Clove Lore, she finds a safe place to hide from heartbreak. After all, all that's waiting for her at home is a cheater boyfriend and the memories of her parents. As Alex finds herself embraced by the quirky village community, she finds her tough exterior thawing. And as she grows closer to Magnus, she finds an equally soft heart under his gruff shell. It seems that Clove Lore is working its magic once again, until a great flood on Christmas Eve brings devastation in its wake. It's up to Magnus and Alex to batten down the hatches and help bring the village back together again, while also introducing the locals to the Icelandic tradition of the Yule Book Flood, 
that was why was that hard to switch between anyway um, where I don't even speak Icelandic where families and friends gather on Christmas Eve to exchange books and read together but can Magnus and Alex truly rescue the ruins of the village and salvage their Christmas spirit or is there another complication lurking even closer than they thought okay excellent pronunciation <laughs> I should have I should have practiced more but um, um, let's uh, yeah let's excerpt it up alright let's do this Advertisement, a novel holiday idea. Borrow Bookshop, up along, Clove Lore, Devon. Borrow Bookshop invites you to live out your dreams of running your very own bookshop in a historic Devonshire harbour village for a fortnight. Spend your days talking about books with customers in your own charming bookshop and serving up delicious cream teas in the cosy cafe nook. Get to know the friendly locals, always willing to offer a helping hand. After shutting up shop, climb the spiral staircase to your double bedroom with picture window seat and settle down to admire the Atlantic views. When your holiday's over, simply hand the keys to the next holidaymaker bookseller. Request your booking early. Currently, there is a 32-month waiting list. Small, fully equipped private kitchen, self-catering and shower room on site. All shop and cafe takings retained by the Borrow a Bookshop community charity. Treasurer, Ms. Jude Crawley. Apply by email, £380 charge per let for 14 days. Some holidaymakers will think nothing of parting with four grand for a fortnight in a fully kitted out villa on the Amalfi Coast, while devotees of the staycation might invest as much as a third of their spare annual income to stay in a farm cottage in the countryside where the kids can feed goats, ride ponies and dodge the rain showers. And more power to them. No doubt they'll all have a wonderful time. But there's still so much more to consider, what with lockdowns and cancellations always looming threateningly on the horizon like storm clouds, passport control lines as long as airport runways, the added taxes and insurance costs, all that faffery with roaming charges for your phone, and that's before you even consider the expense of meals out, the art of inoffensive tipping, or the fact that tariffs shoot up during the school holidays so you'd have to be Zuckerberg levels of rich to afford even a week during peak season at centre parks these days. All reasons why there's a new kind of getaway growing in popularity, especially amongst a certain type of person. A person much like you, and it's called the bookselling holiday. All over the place, bookshops are jumping on the holiday let bandwagon and dusting off their storerooms, clearing basements and attics, and shipping in beds and Ikea kitchen cubbies so that book nerds can live out their fantasies of living and working in their very own bookstore, even if it is only for a week or two. The Borrow Bookshop at Clove Lore, right on the coast in beautiful Devon, was one of the very first to open its doors to guests, and this year its fame has spread as far as the Guardian travel pages and one, very tempting, two-page feature in The People's Friend. There's a lot to recommend a Clove Lore bookish break. Imagine shuffling around your own personal bookshop from sunrise till twilight, or what the locals call dimsy light, making recommendations to customers, called hand-selling to those in the know, lovingly wrapping a customer's new book and sending them off with a smile on their face. Then, after hours, there's the village itself to explore. Clovelore consists of one zigzagging steep street, known as up along when you're at the bottom and down along when you're at the top, which leads from the visitor centre where the tour buses pull up, with its concessions selling souvenirs and clotted cream fudge, and the donkey sanctuary next door, all the way down to the historic harbour where Bella and Finan, 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 run their traditional English pub, The Siren's Tale, with its open fire and bar restaurant, always cosy and welcoming on a winter's day. In summer, you can take a trip on one of the sea life spotting boats, wander along the beach to marvel at the caves and listen to the music of the cliff waterfall, or simply soak up the atmosphere and chat with the locals on the seawall. You might even fall in love. 
if Jude and Elliot are anything to go by. They both came to the seaside for a break, lugging broken hearts with them, and left healing and happy. Actually, the leaving part's not quite true. Jude and Elliot met here last summer, and look at them now, living, working, and in Jude's case, studying, locally, and every bit in love as they ever were. Not that the village chooses to advertise itself as a top spot for romance. The dramatic seascapes are attraction enough, and there's such a thing as too many visitors, according to Araminta Clove Congreve. Minty's name is hard to say. According to Araminta Clove Congreve, Minty to her friends, we will henceforth be referring to her as Minty, Um, the aristocratic owner of the big house and estate gardens at the top of the village. She's slowly coming to terms with being skint and single since forever up there in her grand old country pile and trying to modernise, if a little reluctantly, to help turn the village into a tastefully desirable destination. Sure, maybe there isn't loads to do in Clove Lore, very little in the way of water sports or nightlife, and the beach is pebbly, not ideal for sun worshippers. Most are day trippers or weekenders enjoying dinner, bed and breakfast at the pub, but the bookshop holidays help bring guests in for two weeks' stays, long enough for them to feel a valued part of village life. Plus, it's cheap. With a bit of saving up, a bookshop vacation isn't really out of the reach of anyone. If you can get away from your own life for a while, and if you've been quick off the mark and secured yourself a spot on the waiting list, almost three years long now. The most coveted of all bookshop borrowing spots is the fortnight including Christmas and New Year when Clove Lore is, when viewed from the sea, a sparkling winding ladder of Victorian street lamps and Christmas lights heading from the quay all the way up along. Not a single building is permitted to go undecorated, not if Minty has anything to do with it. It's been the way we do things for as long as Minty can remember and traditions must be upheld. This year, the December frosts have loaned the strings of lights and the Christmas wreaths on every cottage door an extra special silvery luster. Picture the dreamiest winter-by-the-English-seaside Instagram post you've ever seen or the most nostalgic old English jigsaw your granny ever completed and you'll be halfway to knowing how magical and idyllic the village looks this month, with smoke curling from each chimney pot and the big twinkly Christmas tree by the harbour welcoming in the short, precious midwinter days. Joan de, Ma- de Marasco. Why is everyone's name so hard to say? Joan de Marasco. Marisco. Joan. The owner of... John, John, we're going to go with John, the owner of the Barrow Bookshop. This is torture. Wouldn't dream of taking advantage of the increased desire for a book selling holiday at this time of the year by raising the price. Even if he does look every inch a pirate, he does look like a pirate. Oh, no. Every holidaymaker slash bookseller pays exactly the same, whether it's for a slow and briskly cold February retreat or a bustling blazing July when the cottage gardens of Clove Lore froth over with blooms and tourists arrive by the coachload. Not only does everybody pay the same, everyone is welcomed with exactly the same spiel from John too. Here's the new arrival now, making his way with John down the steep cobbles from the visitor's centre, ready for their Christmas holiday at the Barrow Bookshop. Only, they don't look at all ready, or all that Christmassy either. 19th December Magnus Sturluson and John turned down the unassuming alleyway between cottages, slap bang in the middle of the perilous path that descends to the harbour. Down along's always been a no-car zone, explained John, while Magnus struggled with his suitcase over the cobbles. The village donkeys used to transport the luggage, not to mention fishes, coal and beer up and down the incline. Nowadays you have to do it yourself, though there's sleds at every doorway, you'll notice, to make it easier. Magnus only nodded and righted his case once more. John's elderly Bedlington terrier, Aldous, trotted along between them, his skinny tail curled between his legs like a fallen question mark, even though he was a perfectly happy creature. 
John decidedly more weathered and sun-bleached than you'd expect for a 60-something-year-old, yet still handsome and fine-featured beneath the sandy beard, persevered in spite of Magnus's silence. And as he spoke, his pearl-drop earring danced off his jaw. The boy has style. You'll have the volunteers on hand to offer assistance whenever they're needed. There's a whole band of them, you'll see. You'll have the running of not only the shop, but the little cafe too, as I'm sure you know. There's a kitchen and bathroom for your private use. And of course, there's only one bed up at the top of the spiral stairs. It's what you might call cosy, but that won't be a problem for you, Joan assured Magnus. You'll have plenty of space being only one person. He pronounced it person with the lovely thickness in his voice like clotted cream. Correct. Magnus assured him, his own voice deep and with a wonderfully musical Icelandic accent that I'm not going to attempt, that had made everyone he'd encountered since the airport remark on it. It had been so long since he'd left his island that he wasn't at all used to this, and he especially hadn't enjoyed the taxi driver having a go at mimicking his speech patterns and getting it wildly wrong before asking if he'd ever met Björk. Magnus had met her, as it happened, and she'd been absolutely charming, but he'd lied and said no, not wanting to confirm these people's belief that Iceland was some tiny backwater where everyone knew each other. Magnus hadn't been at all aware that plenty of the women and many of the men he'd encountered during his brief time in England so far had in fact been smiling and staring in admiration, thinking him a rugged kind of attractive they weren't used to. Back home, Magnus's height and breadth was pretty standard stuff, as was his shorn head and beard. Easy to look after, he thought, but unintentionally, really kind of attractive. But here in the south of England, his piercing blue-grey irises and robust, impressive bearing provoked many people who saw him to draw the same salacious, thirsty conclusion. This was a fierce-eyed Viking invader. That was not what John was thinking as he handed over the keys. He was thinking the newcomer Sullen, Sad even, noting the way his broad shoulders slumped as he made his way up the shop's stone steps, his stare fixed on the peeling sky blue paint on the door, which back in the summer had been bright and glossy. Joanne eyed the man, unsure what to do. Was he cross about the state of the place? He was only young, just shy of 30 maybe. He should be springing up those steps and excited for his holiday like the others usually were. John felt the need to defend his little bookish kingdom. Repainting's a springtime job for after the winter frosts have done their worst. No point even thinking about maintenance at the moment, especially not with the storms predicted. The man seemed not to hear him, so John gave up and said the words he always said as he bade his guests goodbye and good luck. It's your bookshop to do as you like with. Remember, every guest changes the display on the table by the till on their last day to reflect their own reading taste, and you must leave it for the next bookseller to keep in place during their fortnight. Nice little tradition we have here. A legacy of your stay. You'll see Kim and Caramo, who were with us before you, liked home decor and lifestyle books. So that's what they've left for you. Otherwise, do as you please. Same goes for the cafe. Still, Magnus Sterlison wasn't smiling in the dazed, can hardly believe my look kind of way that the other guests usually did. In fact, he was a bit sick looking. Even Aldous, who these days loved meeting new people, wasn't giving this guy the time of day. The little dog hadn't been offered so much as a scratch behind the ear. Everyone liked giving him a fuss now that he'd had a makeover and a new lease of life at the hands of Elliot, the village's new vet. Even when Magnus turned the key in the lock and the little bell over the door ting-tinged in the shop's papery stillness, he failed to turn to John and grin like all his dreams were coming true at once. She's all yours, John said again, as always, feeling like he was bestowing the most wonderful gift in his possession. Magnus only nodded, thanked John and waited in silence on the threadbare doormat until the shop owner had accepted that this was all he was getting in the way of exuberance. 
He and Aldous turned and plodded off towards the siren's tail, where Bella and Finan were bringing their new Christmas ales online and would be looking for a taste tester. Right you are then, Joan called back. Numbers by the till if you need us. But the shop door was already shut. Alexandra Robinson had been at sea for seven days now and so far she'd managed to avoid all human contact except for one brief stop at Penzance where she'd bought enough provisions to keep herself alive, if not exactly thriving. She'd been careful not to say a word to anyone during that brief shopping spree, trying to act inconspicuous as she scrabbled nervously in her purse for change at the co-op self-checkout. She couldn't be 100% sure there wasn't a search party out looking for her and she couldn't face being recognised. There'd been no mention over her radio of a runaway fairy woman, so it was unlikely they'd launch the lifeboats. At least, she hoped they hadn't. Perhaps she should have put in a quick call to let someone know she was fine, but there was no one she wanted to talk to. Besides, that wasn't part of her plan to cut herself off entirely and get as far away as possible from Port Canoe. What would they think if they could see her now? Transformed by what we could see. She knew her lips were cracked and her skin papery and her hair hadn't had a proper wash since the day she'd run away. Quick, chilly dunks in salt water had turned her long, thick hair, still bleached from the summer sun, into crisp strands. But no matter, like, no one could see her out here. Everything was damp on board the Degalian, Alex's 27-foot river cruiser, which, even though a relic of her father's from the 1980s, was perfectly adequate for her impromptu sea escapade. The rear cabin allowed her to sleep in relative comfort. There was a fresh water supply and a kettle for coffees and instant ramen, though she'd have given almost anything for a proper roast dinner about now. And even a porta potty behind a falling door, but still, the boat hadn't been designed for luxury or to facilitate a heartbroken woman's mad dash to get the hell out of Cornwall. Until now, it had barely deviated from its easy back and forth over the fall estuary where Alex had operated her ferry service for tourists and locals for eight long years, having taken it over from her dad when he passed away just as she was fresh out of high school with a clutch of A-levels, finding herself orphaned at age 18 and with a house and ready-made business to run. Running away, or rather sailing away, had seemed like the only rational thing to do last week and she hadn't been at sea long enough for the frenzied state to pass. She was still fizzing with anger and hurt, but there was a sneaking sense of shame and guilt emerging that she didn't like and was trying to ignore. Coming home from a long day's ferrying to find your boyfriend hurriedly buttoning his shirt while your best friend cowers on the sofa will do that to a woman, make them inclined to bolt. Alex hadn't stopped to think. She hadn't said a word. She'd turned on the heel of her flat boots. Ben was sensitive of his five feet seven inches in comparison to her six foot, so she'd been wearing flats for ages. And run all the way back to the jetty. Here, she'd drawn the wet weather canopy over the cockpit and clicked it into place before starting up the motor and gliding right out of the Roseland Peninsula where she'd lived all of her 26 years, leaving Port Canoe far behind. She'd consulted her charts and set a slow northerly course around the headland, hugging the land but trying not to draw attention to herself, a lone boatswoman in a vintage tub. She had no idea where she was going or what she'd do when she got there, and all the while she shouted livid curses out into the waves, damning Eve, the woman she'd considered her best friend since she'd rocked up in Alex's village only a year ago to run the post office. She'd suspected Ben had fancied her from the start. Damn him as well, she told the dark water. Eve had always seemed so sad and so put upon. Alex would spend hours by the ferry mooring listening to her bemoaning her scruffy, inattentive layabout husband who she supported with her wages. Their son spent a few hours a week at preschool and Eve's husband Maxwell was proving to be an at-home daddy of the bare minimum effort type. Alex had absorbed it all and truly felt sorry for her friends. 
had Eve been slagging off Lazy Maxwell to Ben as well? They'd obviously got to know each other much better than she'd been aware during their curry and quiz Friday nights at the Rising Sun. The very thought of them sneaking about behind her back made her stomach pinch painfully and her eyes burn. The charts and weather watching should have had her full attention as she sailed, but instead, her brain wanted to replay the moment she discovered them, the cushions scattered everywhere and Ben fastening his shirt with shaky fingers. It's not how it looks, Ben had dared to say. At least, he'd had the decency to look immediately ashamed. The betrayal was the worst bit. It was like something you'd read in the gossip mags. Take a break would love it. Yeah, she could picture it now. The headline would read, My best mate stole my man. And there'd be a large picture of Alex looking all forlorn and stoic staring down the camera lens. She had zero plans to ring the magazines, though. For as long as she could remember, she'd craved peace and privacy. She had, nonetheless, considered phoning Ben's parents just to let them know what he'd been up to. After all, she'd been part of the Thomas family for ages. How much had he told them, she wondered. Probably not enough to tarnish the apple of their eye status. Soon, Eve would replace her in the Thomas family. This sent sadness blooming through her chest. Actually, that hurt more than the betrayal. The affair, or whatever it was, had ousted Alex from her spot at their table. Now, she had... Nobody. Shit, man. Yeah, like, I don't remember the opening feeling like that emotional or whatever. Yeah, um, but you know what? We are, like, 35 minutes in now. Like, so we, we still have to get into all of that. You could probably use a sip of water, right, Sarah? Will we take a quick break? Yeah, yeah, that's that's a that's a great call, Sersh. Yeah, yeah, uh, we, we will take a quick break. Um, but we'll be back in a few with more Chicklet for Life. Do not go anywhere. We're here. It's finally the last joy of the year. And this year being the first, we can finally go out and get Mary IRL. It, uh... Stands to reason we'd have some adjusting to do, right? No, like seriously, I thought he was being smooth asking for my number and everything, but every single word he said was spitting directly into my face. I mean, it's a wonder I don't have mononucleosis right now. Uh, is there a reason why people can't, like, wipe their children's noses? This three-year-old, like, left a trail of snot on my shin when his mom, like, bumped into me, and now I'm pretty sure I have RSV. <laughs> Like, I don't think it's weird to want to wear a mask to nightclubs. I think a mask and hand sanitizer is almost anywhere there are bodily fluids being exchanged. I mean, I don't think we need to go back to pre-pandemic for absolutely everything, you know? Preach, my friends. Seriously, though, COVID's still out and about, and you do not need to be shivering in bed this holiday season. Be safe. If you feel sick, stay home. Don't super spread. And sure, while you're at it, you gotta tune in to Doi Thursdays. I mean, I still wear a mask on the bus. Like, I get sick every year at this time, and I'm 100% certain it's because of everyone hotboxing their germs on public transport. Yeah, like, I'm crazy fundamentalist about keeping the window open now. Like, unless it is absolutely pissing rain, in which case, yeah, I'm a catch whatever the dude in front of me has. Like, that window is open, man. And, like, having the window open is an excuse to wear an adorable hat with, like, a super huge cute bubble on it, innit? Bubbles, plural. Your hat has two bubbles, man. We know your stance on bubble necessity. That is an excellent point, K.E. It's an excuse to wear an adorable hat with two huge cute bubbles in it. What? 
They like pigtails. No, 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 no. I wasn't thinking about that. I was thinking that Joan says holiday, and uh, and so do you. Oh my God, Joan does say holiday, girl. <laughs> well, I mean, sit back from your mind. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. I can't be clipping this audio. I can't be distorting this voice right here, girls. <laughs> I'm like, no, it's true. And I mean, Joan's a bad bitch as well, Chloe. I mean, yeah, he, he is. Any, I mean, that earring, them tattoos. Is Roddy McRoyders and even for an old blog like actually seriously he right up your street yeah yeah the thought had crossed my mind Claire. but like just so we don't go down a whole John rabbit hole straight away I'm going to to segue to um, it was so amazing to go back to Clove Lore and see everyone again like how did you manage to like speed wobble on that even though you have it written down like man? I am borderline illiterate okay we do a book podcast, man. Yeah, I've been winging it this whole time. <laughs> but like, no, yeah, the Clove Lore thing. Like, yeah, I didn't clock how much I had like absorbed Clove Lore reading the first book. Like when Magnus gets to the bookshop, I was properly reading like, oh, my God, it's exactly the same. Like, like, it's not real. It's not a real place. <laughs> No, no, I totally agree. And like, oh my God, I was so excited to see Jude and Elliot again. No, like for real, I cannot handle how much I love Elliot being like a genius dummy man. Like tripping over himself and breaking shit and hating that everyone in the town is all like, oh, Elliot, you're so tall and good looking. Can you help us with this? You're such a fine young man. Like, you know what L ones be like? Like, why they be like that with tall, good looking blokes, girls? Like, kind of answered your own question there man you genuinely make me so happy oh katie you charmer <laughs> <laughs> but yes for for those of you unfamiliar with the first installment in the borrow bookshop series jude and elliot met and initially unwillingly fell in love during their stay at said bookshop during the previous summer like did you guys find that contrast this time around with say Alex and Magnus's story and and Jude and Elliot yes oh my god like the instant connection thing with Alex and Magnus and like them not ignoring it was like pretty different to the way Jude and Elliot's story kind of happened with like them falling in love despite being so distracted by everything that was like going on for them personally in their lives yeah like distracted's a good word for it like yeah how Jude and Elliot came like across each other they had all this like noise going on with their thoughts and situations and like that kind of like infected the way they saw each other and then when they started properly falling for each other they they were sort of taken aback like oh this isn't supposed to be happening yeah yeah and that's kind of the thing about Alex and Magnus like they kind of have this huge silence in their lives like they're both caught up in this horrible kind of like inertia or something like after shocks or failures or whatever and like because they kind of have nothing like yeah they they, they don't have those yet yeah, distractions like you say what do you what do you mean sarah that's that's really interesting um well like okay so so like magnus putting so much work into what he thought was the right thing to do yeah so like opening his own bookshop taking the time and energy to learn about it and like it all just blew up in his face. You, you know, effort doesn't mean you're going to get what you're working for. And the idea of deserving something just because you've worked for it is kind of crazy because so often it's just, it's just luck. 
that makes things work for people. Like like Magnus's bookshop in Reykjavik went under despite him working around the clock for years. His girlfriend leaves him because he's too into his business. And like after a while, you just begin to question what it is you're even working for. But then like, what do you do if you're not working? Here, like, do you feel like that, Sarah? Like, like kind of, like it's not the same. Obviously, I don't have a job really but like with my folks at the hospital pretty much all the time like my mom's doing this consultant work now and like somehow that translated to my dad that he needs to do more networking with people in other big hospitals and universities and stuff I I don't know It's, it's weird and like like Derek Derek is such a dick like his older brother DNA has seriously been compromised and like he seems to think that I'm here to look after him and not the other way around. I just, I don't know. You, like you get up every day and you do the same thing. You get the shopping in, you make dinners or lunches or whatever, and you keep the place clean and you wash clothes because otherwise they wouldn't get washed. And everyone's just sort of like, why didn't you do this? Where is my white shirt? Where were you last night? No one told me you were going out. That was really selfish. I was expecting a delivery. Like I had to wait for it then. Like, uh, <laughs> Jesus, man. No, like, no, no, no. Like, I'm not trying to have a pity party or anything. Like, it sounds worse than it is. Like, I'm not... Like, there, there are a lot of people that have things a lot worse than I do. Like, mom and dad make a decent amount of money, so we have light and heat and money for shit we need. Like, D doesn't beat the shit out of me or anything. Like, he's just very fond of coming back from the pub most weeknights and, like, him and his mates putting on the most distorted bass they can find through a speaker located directly under my bedroom. Like, okay. I would end him I would murder him I would do time over that shit I would rip that greasy hair directly off his head and I haven't decided what I would do next but it would be painful what the fuck's here I love you so much man <laughs> but, but, but yeah no no like I can yeah so just I can understand why Magnus showed up with very little distraction going on in his head compared to Elliot who had like a lot of complications on his mind when he turned up at Clove Lore. Yeah and like no I completely get what you're saying and like it applies very much to Alex too like I, I do identify with your situation a lot Sarah like I think we have similar-ish situations at home. Um, Well like clearly like you've you've got a, a lot of stress at home. Like everyone at home with me is doing okay and there are a few of them, you know, we can we can spread it around. Like like it's just you and your dad and it's it's complicated. Like I like I see what, you know, you need to do and I see uh, you doing no. it. You know, it's it's yeah. <laughs> no, like like there's I don't think there's much point in us being competitive about who has it worth, but like like the way like the way your folks are with work and like yeah, your brother does seem to be like kind of juvenile or whatever. Like, like that. I think it sounds like the sum total of what daddy's like with drink. Like, it's all the same thing. Like, you do what you have to do to keep the house going because you're the one that sees it and 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 you get that it has to be done. And like, what would even happen if you didn't? Yeah, like I mean, you see it in inspirational posts on Instagram and TikTok and stuff. Like, like what what would happen if you didn't do all of this for your family like what what if you didn't what if you tried that oh I hate that like I genuinely don't think people understand how genuinely terrifying that is but like you just hate all the work you have to do like and like no one ever thanks you for it and they kind of take advantage of it and make you feel bad like I mean I give me mom money for our bills and everything but she always says thanks like I wouldn't be doing that shit if she didn't no like it's not it's not the same Chloe like it's 
it's hard to explain like but if I didn't do what I do like like I just I have to do it like it's 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 like just there'd be a really bad thing that would ha- like I don't want to I, I don't understand what would happen if I didn't do it yeah like the family would end or something and like what would even happen then and like and like you get glimpses of that every so often like I remember in sixth year daddy didn't come home one night after he went to the pub and I I I woke up and like you just mechanically get ready for school and you go but it's like you're outside of your body or something and then like when when I got home he still wasn't there so I just did the worst homework of my life you know because I was 100% not thinking any thoughts at all just let my pen do its thing while I was expending hulk levels of energy and not freaking out but then that only got me as far as seven o'clock in the evening so I cleaned the house then to put in time which only got me to nine o'clock and like daddy's still not home so I just I just started knitting with these gammy knitting needles and like diseased wool and I'm pretty sure has been under the stairs since I was in primary school and just watched episodes of The Office that I did not enjoy at all until like seven the next morning when he came in like it's it's not like I was running around tearing my hair out it's I it's it's different but like you couldn't go to bed or anything or like or call anyone no no he would have gone for me if I had told anyone he didn't come home like I'm making out like I'm some drunk under a bridge like and and it was fine like he came home with the head hanging off him and sure look it was over and yeah I was able to just go to school I was still in my uniform from the the previous day you went to school will you please sit back from your mic for fuck's sake Chloe ah sorry you went to school. Why do I? Why do I, why do I bother? Yeah, why do I bother? yeah. <laughs> it's not. It's not worth staying at home when he's got a hangover setting in. And like, sure, I just went to bed at seven that night and just caught up on all the sleep I'd missed. But like, but no, like this isn't a clee pity party either. Like what I'm saying is, when everything else sort of falls away like that, and I think it did for Magnus and Alex in the book. I feel like I recognized it. Like, you're kind of left with, I don't know, the the unbearable lightness of being is is that what that book's about that <laughs> Milan Kundera is oh, I'll also like more information on that place <laughs> well like yeah kind of the yeah the idea that people need things in their life that anchor them down to earth like the only really unbearable thing is having nothing to keep you here Okay, I did not foresee this conversation becoming this existential. Yeah, hard shame. <laughs> but, but no, it is a really interesting idea, though, because Magnus and Alex do really fall in love at first sight. Like, because, yeah, there's so little distraction. They kind of do have the space in their minds for Magnus to go, oh my God, she's a mermaid the first time he sees her. Like, it's a weird sort of gross lifestyle decluttering, like, to lose everything like that ew like I wouldn't recommend it yeah can definitely confirm more growth than beneficial yeah but it is an interesting point like yeah Magnus doesn't know anyone in the village so when Alex shows up she has his full attention and the same thing happens for her like like the whole sexual attention thing is absolutely bananas oh my God, the whole situation with like Magnus just like smiling at Alex and she'd be on like, okay, I proper staring at his mouth right now. This is an issue. Oh, I, I thought the tender moments like wrecked me way more. Like when Alex turns up to help Magnus in the bookshop and she's like so exhausted and Magnus is like thinking that her face is so soft and so sleepy. There's no way he couldn't have spent the day with her, you guys. No, 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 no. You have to appreciate that the sex scene, what with the candlelit fire 
Twitter blazing situation. I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. Kylie fed as well with that scene. I concede. <laughs> yes. Chloe is the winner. A battle well fought. <laughs> what? Wait, what? What are you looking at me for? Katie. You are going to sit here right now on this show and pretend that you didn't read a sexy romance novel, Sexy More Than Wolves. No one's going to judge you for engaging in some much-needed extracurricular activity during this cold snapping and drawing right now. We are supposed to be... Why would you say that? Because we never have no masturbation jokes and I personally find that offensive. Yeah, I feel better right now. You are welcome. That's all I'm saying. No, but no, I did. Yeah. Like, I did think that the, the cute flirting stuff, like, that was really wholesome. Like, say, Magnus telling Alex about the holiday customs in Iceland. Are you brave enough to try some more pronunciation? Well, I did already say Yola Boca Flow, didn't I? So that's the the tran- the tradition, translation? Tradition on Christmas Eve, where, yeah, families give each other books and everybody reads all day and stuff, right? Okay, like, that sounds so Scandinavian that, like, I actually feel a bit sick right now. Like, they probably all go for a hike in the morning, come back and have, like, omega-3 oils for lunch and then read books for dinner and that's <laughs> it. Why must you be so xenophobic, man? They need to have a chocolate sandy, Katie. Jesus Christ. No, but, like, the Yule cat, I thought that was kind of cool, the Yolo. Katurin, uh, that eats people that don't get new clothes before Christmas like I read about that afterwards and uh, there's like yeah apparently it was a way for farmers to make sure that all the wool harvested in the autumn got like processed and stuff like people that did that work they, they got new clothes and the ones that didn't were petrified that they'd get eaten by like a 20 story high monster cat which yeah I think every uh Healthy economy is based on something like that. <laughs> I just love your brain, man. Why, thank you. I broke it myself. <laughs> but, but Magnus giving Alex a jumper so she wouldn't get eaten, though. I mean, that's so sweet. Um, I mean, that jumper sounded like goals, like genuinely. <laughs> I don't know, Chloe. I mean, there was a disturbing lack of sequins sewn on that jumper and on all of Magnus's clothing, to be fair. Oh, hi. That is a personal attack. And I am not okay with it. And I mean, secondly, right? That is a good point. I am not wearing no jumper. What doesn't have bad bitch on it in pink sequins? I mean, what am I, a nun? That's what I'm saying, man. But like, yeah, like more than anything, I thought like the respect that Magnus had for Alex and her like sharing only as much as she wanted to or was able to, like that was... That was pretty romantic. Yeah. Yeah. Like even from the beginning when he's all, oh, I really have to see her again. But like immediately realizes that he hates anyone getting up in his face about anything. So like, why would he do the same thing for someone he cares about? Like that was, that was pretty amazing. But like say like when she helps in the bookshop and like she's so clearly working through something personal by doing that. He's all, oh my God, Magnus, get a grip. Like why would you make today about you when she so clearly needs space to do what she needs to do right now like I could have genuinely died of a romance aneurysm right there don't though please no no I won't (laughs) (laughs) but like the whole like respect being a huge part of love thing I mean that was there in so many stories within the book yeah and there were a bunch of different stories in the book yeah I mean are we going to talk about Isaac and Leonid being like actual couple goals or what's the story yeah like Isaac being like so Leonid's gonna make the Camellia Grove at the big house to absolute tits like that's a direct quote (laughs) 
<laughs> you know what I mean, though. No? Like, like, like them like loving each other enough to stay together despite, yeah, being from you know conservative families in Eastern Europe, and like how hard even just societally that can be there, you know, being gay and stuff. Yeah, and like just like and the fact that they're both so fond of Minty and took so much care of her since she like brought them back together and gave Lena a job yeah I mean, and I mean like the whole Minty and John story I mean like talk about love and respect being the same thing I know like them being such good friends and genuinely caring so much about each other but then like the fact that they're also both so eager to not disrespect Joan's first wife's memory like ah it's just so gorgeous so Again, just to, to recap, Joanne, we met in the excerpt, he owns the, the Borrow Bookshop and Minty, whose first name I absolutely can't pronounce as we covered, she's the owner of the big sort of manor house in the village. So yeah, she's done her best to keep the house going and like employ as many people as she can because her dad kind of like burned through the family money pretty quick and didn't leave her a lot or any from, from what I gathered. Yeah, and I got the feeling that because tourism was kind of the only industry in the village, having a sort of a big manor house with grounds and having folks employed there to maintain it was like Minty taking this responsibility for keeping the village going, keeping everyone there with jobs to to some extent. Yeah, like this is the thing. That was a big theme here too, that like it's just so hard these days to have folks just do the job they've always done or, or like their family has always done and make money from it. Clove Lore's a tourist destination, but with the cost of living issues, fallout of the pandemic and just general rich people nonsense like Minty's folks leaving her with no money. It's really hard for people in the village to just live their lives doing the things they were brought up to do, carrying on family businesses, local traditions, all that stuff. Yeah, and I mean, I really loved that about Minty doing like properly insane stuff like having a blessing for the donkeys and mixing up different sects of Christianity to do so like mental, but exactly what someone in that situation would do, especially Especially if they're already from that mad aristocratic place in society, you know? Like, I know that there's a third Borrow a Bookshop book coming next year. And I'm interested to see if there's more to come on all the stuff with Minty's past and her family's history and all. And like, what's still hanging around in the house? What do you mean? Well... There was something said when Magnus and Alex were decorating the bookshop with stuff um, from the big house, from Minty's house, that I thought could have done with more explaining and that could be intentional. Like, And between that and the fact that Minty's mom, who she was mad about, but it sounds like she did her own share of money spending um, and making her way through the fortune, like she was into art and like the finer things. I don't know. I just think there's something there. That's kind of interesting. Here, Kleena, have you been texting Kylie outside the group chat? What? No, because I don't think I could take that, Kleena. <laughs> no, Chloe, this is all entirely my own hot take. I was the one what texted all you about the instant ramen bit and that perfume being called Highland Coral Beach. Like, if anyone should get new book spoilers, it may, okay? Oh my God, Chloe, fine. You're Kylie's favourite. I will keep my new book conspiracy theories to myself. Oh, hi, that's all I'm asking, okay? I won't have you come between me and Kylie, Kleena. Our love is only new and I don't want your culty charms interfering with it, yeah? I mean, <laughs> speaking 
thinking of jumping to insane conclusions, though. Uh, what you talking about insane conclusions? How dare you, Sarah O'Neill? Look at them freckles. Who could resist Cleana Jeffrey? As I said, speaking of jumping to conclusions. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Everybody in this story jumps to at least one conclusion that's incorrect. And, like, I am living for it. Yeah, hard same. Like, between the Hill Village giving Alex a sexy backstory when she shows up to Alex writing her own sexy novel about what her bloke and her best friend were up to. Like, even to people expecting Magnus to be in good form when he gets to Clove Lauren, kind of being put out when he's not. I Like, I kind of love that the last few books we read have all had some focus or another on, like, oh my god, everyone please stop assuming you know what other people are thinking. It only leads to badness. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And the thing is, though, like, seeing Magnus only doing that with himself, though, that was kind of a bit jarring. Okay, I don't know what you mean by that. <laughs> okay, that's fair. <laughs> but like, no, like the the responsibility, the emotional responsibility Magnus takes for his whole situation, like his business going under, his relationship failing, even the responsibility he takes for wanting to keep Alex's attention on him because he's crazy about her. And then like he makes this conscious attempt not to, to do that. Like it was just really odd or maybe yeah I'm just not used to it to see someone put that much energy into figuring out whether what they're doing is the right thing to do and then working that hard to make sure they then deliver on what it is they they told themselves they'd do oh okay I totally understand yeah no I totally agree like so often in romance stories in novels films tv you name it like the focus can often be on like like this irrepressible physical connection you know and like There's this whole, I can't live without you, I must have you thing. And like, we sort of see that as like, in quotes, true love, as opposed to what we saw here, which was, what does this person need in order to be happy? And how can I help make that happen in in a real way? Which, yeah, comparing the two, I'd argue that the latter is what love truly is. And like, on top of that... Did you guys think that Magnus kind of took on the role that a lot of women would in in romantic stories usually? 100%, but also explained. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. So yeah, yeah, we talked about this before, Sarah. Obviously, you knew what I was going to say. So like, Magnus is the one that we see fall proper head over heels first. And I feel like... We spend more time in his head in the book agonizing over how Alex is, what her feelings are, what her feelings about him are, and wondering if like he's this thirsty asshole for having those thoughts with the intensity and frequency that he is. I feel like usually we see women doing that, like either in books or on screen having those thoughts or actually in real life. Like how many conversations have we all had about that kind of thing? Yeah, and I mean, I think we're more conscious of the Bechadel test than most. Right, and like... He gets wary of other men around Alex, sort of like sizing them up from far away and like gets jealous if they seem close to her, but crucially goes home and beats himself up over that and feels generally sad and lonely. Yeah, yeah. The absence of Magnus following her into a dead end, calling her a bitch for talking to him and therefore guaranteeing him a sexual relationship, that that is quite conspicuous, the absence of that. Yeah, because it's Magnus... 
occupying the usually yeah female point of view like even when he's in a car park in the rain oh hugging an increasingly damp woolly jumper to his body like a purse. like i swear like if that was a woman you'd sort of be like oh okay it's the scene again you know i see it in most rom-coms but when it's a guy you have this knee-jerk reaction of like have some self-respect dude be a man like it's crazy how every time you think you've found it all you read a book or you see a movie where a bloke has a cry and it opens up yet another drawer of internalized misogyny in your psyche yeah it is kind of unfair isn't it to be all like oh no you're supposed to be holding back tears and going husky in the voice like what mr darcy did when elizabeth was all upset about lydia in it like yeah that's that's not all right seriously though i think about that scene in pride and prejudice like twice a week oh more masturbation jokes thank you Saoirse <laughs> <laughs> no to, to move on kind of segue slightly to the Please, left here oh um, like we do need to get a mention in here about Minty's staff gentleman person Bovis Boris Bovis reading Pride and Prejudice like, oh my actual god like it is such a long time since I have read something with my hands over my mouth but that entire sequence was like edge of the seat stuff man mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. like I mean you shoot your shot ball I'm proud of you for appreciating some sexy sexy Jane Austen yeah but fuck me that scene was proper girl <laughs> like dear listeners we will give you no further information on this the book is available and we implore you to read even just for the Pride and Prejudice scenes it may well be the most rewarding content we have consumed all year okay I am refusing to hear that okay and I'm fully committed to Chonkukio Pa's black swan crop top button being unable to withstand his tremendous ditties like that is the most rewarding content anyone has ever consumed this year or any other year Sarah like, how are you this thirsty man how does a person survive with this level of horniness all the time excuse you Katie Morphy this is not random tourist this is tourist laser focused on JK Opa's torso full say the Pride and Prejudice insertion. No, check out titties. (laughs) Such a smart writing choice. Like, it was the point in the book where there was a lot of necessary tension happening. Yeah, like, and also, the tension building was, like, top notch. Like, not knowing what Alex is running from until we, like, know her better. Magnus giving her space, then natural disasters happening, the cost of living crisis. Like, there's just, there's a ton of really serious stuff in here that just keeps the story moving a lot faster than a romance novel usually would, in, like, my experience anyway. Right? So, like, having these little absurdities, Minty insisting on the donkey blessing, Bovis and Pride and Prejudice, like, it provides all this, like, respite from some pretty tense stuff. Yeah, and like there was a really good like balance that the book managed to strike. Like, cause there's there's a bunch of like really melodramatic stuff in there too, like video game waterfalls with caves behind them and everything. No, like, how much did you want them to go into that cave when they found it on their hike? Be real with us right like, now. Genuinely, dude. Like, there was definitely a weapon or special item in there, and they probably would have only had to fight one boss to get it. <laughs> like, yes. No, I take your point. Like, yeah, like there's love at first sight melodrama, some pretty absurd things that come into lighten the mood a bit crazy tension and then some excellent action sequences like and they all like worked yeah like like I really personally think well I do agree that the balance point is a great one but like nothing is overdone where you're reading it going oh Jesus fine we get it which is like really helpful when you've got so many different feelings counterbalancing each other which actually now I think about it 
really made this my kind of romance novel. Like, there was absolutely nothing, like, sickly sweet about it, which is crazy because Magnus is such a romantic that you'd think some of the things he finds himself thinking would be just, like, bleh. Yeah, but, like, all them thoughts sort of, like, take him by surprise and he's like, Jesus, Magnus, you're supposed to be, like, a sexy Viking. What could throw Chloe around a place? Then she'd probably be into that if she had the chance to, like, <laughs> Like, I mean, I guess, like, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Well, I mean, not the, not the sex play between yourself and Magnus but like all this all this crazy stuff happens which is truth you know life is crazy and horrible crazy stuff happens but human beings will do what they need to do to get through it and often that'll be in a quiet as normal as possible way people will play cards in their prison cell they'll make jokes during funerals and the really lucky ones realize that nothing outside of yourself will ever make you truly happy yeah like it was it was kind of mental but also like really satisfying to have what Magnus and Alex want to like put work into being okay themselves like love wasn't going to rescue them love was this amazing thing that they get to experience together but like they both have a lot of pain in their past that they sort of owe it to themselves to work through and like make sure that if more horrible things happened did still be okay in themselves. Yeah, yeah, that was that was pretty inspiring. Like it's so easy to think that you'll be happy when you get something done or like when you achieve something, when you meet someone, when something else happens. Yeah, like I just have to keep my head down and take this for a little while longer. Right? Like the idea that like making sure you've got a foundation within yourself to have a baseline of like like not even happy, but like this is me, this is who I am, like yeah, that's that's pretty inspiring. Yeah, like like to be honest, I'm not a hundred percent sure how it would work, but like, <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty cool to see these characters that you care about because you've been going on this journey with them, like pick themselves up and be honest enough with each other and themselves to be like, this is so important to me that. I want to work on myself so I don't contribute to making it shit. Yes, yes. The fact that both Alex and Magnus are like, this relationship is too good to treat it like a support system for my psyche. I like want to do the necessary work on myself so that we get to enjoy this and share it as equally as humanly possible. Oh my God. You guys, I totally didn't even clock that. Yeah, like shame, man. See, there are downsides to having mental health privilege. After all, you guys, you miss out on the romance of someone taking responsibility for themselves for the sake of the other person. Girls, when we gonna stop with all this mental health shit and have a proper bitch about your man Ben? What? <laughs> that is fair and finished. So, dearest listeners, we would now like to begin a section on our collective whiteboard, which is titled Ben. Alex's ex is the actual worst. End quote. Oh, hi. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, first on the list, girls. Short man syndrome. Oh, dude. Like, seriously. I mean, does Tom Holland have to visit every man in the entire world to show them how hot it is to be cool with your tall girlfriend wearing heels? No, like, I have never been as in love with a hetero couple as I am with him and Zendaya. Seriously. And how much of that is based on him looking at her lovingly while she's like three inches taller than him in her red carpet heels? Yeah. Yeah, easily 60%. Case closed. Get your shit together, Ben. (laughs) Second on the list, okay. Acting like he's screen testing for some stupid notebook remake where he's snotting and crying when he finally finds Alex and Clove Lore. Like, you weren't that into the relationship, Ben. Stop with the theatrics, yeah? Like, it's more like... 
like he's not listening to her there's this crazy contrast between him being like oh shit my long term relationship that I was banking on might be over now I get to be the reformed bad boy wild with worry over my missing girlfriend she's gonna fall into my arms I'll be celebrated as a hero and will live happily ever after like like that's and yeah the contrast is between that and like how Magnus is acting like like the way Ben is going on like that's all about him and nothing to do with her like he's not interested in why she ran away he's not interested in how she survived the time she was missing and he's not interested in how he needs to change to make their relationship a safe place for her shit man oh sorry like no like every every so often daddy gets morose when he's drunk and starts talking about regrets and how he should have been a better father but like that conversation just happens over and over again it's like he's he's looking for something from me like there's never any talk about what would actually help you know just a lot of crying and pregnant pauses where I'm supposed to say no no it's all right like and and like I say it keeps happening it we're never done with that conversation it's you know so it's just it's not about me or how he actually is as a dad at all like just like how Ben isn't talking about how he is as a partner at all he just kind of yeah wants to be forgiven and and move on fuck man oh no I'm after killing the mood there Chloe carry on the list <gasps> no like clean and Jeffrey the sacrifices <laughs> what you make for the well-being of this show I can't I simply cannot with you <laughs> but yes yes girls thirdly and finally in Ben being a useless prick 2022 <laughs> blaming Eve for him getting off with her Jesus Christ girls if I could have given a fictional character a slap that would have been the one oh my actual god right there you're like how often does that work yeah I know like there's so many people I know that like have been like behind people's backs with stuff like yeah happening between friends and boyfriends and all kinds of stupid shit like everybody fucking up all over the shop but like every time it's the bloke that gets forgiven and the girls that were friends that never speak to each other again yeah like it's it's rough man and like if you're lonely and someone you think is attractive is nice to you and like you're glad of the affection like I mean like how many times has someone kissed you guys and you didn't see it coming oh my god yeah like more than a few times already yeah and like if it's someone that you're friends with through another friend because they're going out together but like you like them and they're nice to you and if you're in that headspace where you're lonely and and down on yourself and then you've got like yeah they try something on and you've got then guilt and self-loathing all mixed up with it no it's too gross like we don't have to talk about this yeah no you yeah I, I, I just I've you can lose friends over manipulative guys you know and like and being lonely isn't an excuse to go behind a friend's back like no way but like it's a hell of a slap when like someone that you're friends with for a really long time and something like that happens they forgive the guy but never speak to you again and like take your other friends with them shit man no but like Alex is a better person than the people I used to know. Like, it's it's really cool. Like, it's not usual for, you know, what would be seen as a curly pink writing on the cover romance novel to, like, have so many aspects in there that would, like, yeah, bring, bring up all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Like, there's a lot of skill and, like, respect for 
who's reading kind of like there's no part of the book that's like pitched over people's heads because that's that's not what Kylie does in yeah terms. I'd, I'd go so far as to say no book we cover does that yeah like it's it is cool like it's 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 not a case that the book is saying okay these these thirsty bitches just want cat fights and sex scenes you know there's just hard and human stuff in there while keeping it happily ever after because you know that's what we signed up for here you know that's that's really cool and you know actually that brings us to an interesting point our girl Kylie sent us the book because you know we asked for it and um, she made a point of saying to us that we should like savage it if we wanted to but like that kind of would be a review wouldn't it and like we kind of we kind of don't do reviews. Yeah, yeah. It was an interesting point because it kind of started this existential rabbit hole for us when we were talking about it. You know, like, no, I don't think we do reviews because like, like, honestly, book reviews kind of piss me off. Oh my gosh, same. Like, who cares if something reminds you of Samuel Beckett or not, Vincent? Like, some of us don't want to read that shit anyway. Yeah, like, it's always somebody's opinion. Like, a review just means that one person liked it or not. Or like thinks enough of their opinion that they think that indicates whether other people should think it's good or not. Yeah, and that's the thing. I don't think that's particularly interesting. Also, like, why talk about something you don't like? Ah, uh, here, no, I didn't say that. I'm not going to advocate here for anti-bitching. Like, having a bitch is an integral part of my life, Sarah O'Neill, and I will not have you take that away from me. <laughs> you know? but like, like, you're not going to be on here all like, oh my God, I thought this was just really badly written. Ew, no, like... No, who says that? Like, that's just, that's just fucking real. It's like, why would we spend that hour and 14 minutes <laughs> talking about a book what we didn't even enjoy? Yeah, but it's not even whether we enjoyed something or not. It's more like, what was our experience reading it? Because like, the whole point of reading a novel is to like go somewhere else with other people. Yeah. And it's, it's not like TV or movies where you're forced to see it a certain way as, you know, dictated by a director. You get to have your own brain process the story and the writing and give you your version of it, which is what makes talking here so cool because like you guys bring up stuff that would never have occurred to me when I was experiencing the book through my mind lens. (laughs) Oh, okay. So like that don't happen for me because, you know, my mind palace obviously tinks up all use our basic ass ideas already <laughs> so disrespectful <laughs> but you know what guys yeah we are one minute and what now 14 minutes <laughs> into the show so we, we're pretty much out of time um, also you know someone kind of forgot to get her holiday shopping finished on time so we better wrap this up oh Sarah <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Sarah if you would like to continue engaging in this holiday gorgeousness we would urge you to pick up your copy of Christmas at the Borrow Bookshop at any reputable bookseller you can find out more about our girl Kylie at kyliedunbar.co.uk and do follow her on Instagram at at Kylie Dunbar author because she just has the nicest things on there pictures of hot chocolate and stuff I know um, we <laughs> will be back in the new year with our next episode on Cage Solly's Tuesday evenings with the Coped and Craft Resistance. Yes! We are talking super about. excited to cover Kate's book. She's been a longtime supporter of the show and we are just so thrilled to be finally able to send some love back her way. Um, you know, through through our mind lenses. As yeah, said. Exactly, um, exactly. In the exactly. meantime, if you can please, please, please like and subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. You'll hear mm-hmm, about the next mm-hmm. episodes and also help more folks hear about us and that would be like 
too awesome of you. Um, also, Elsie, our writer, director, um, actor, voice person, we're made up. Um, she she does this totally solo and doesn't get paid for it. Um, such is the extent of her love of books and talking about them. So if you were on for leaving a review um, and rating, it would like just really help the show and be so sound of you. It's just not even funny. Um, you can also find us on Instagram at at Chiclet for Life, on Twitter at at Chiclet for Life One, and on TikTok at at Chiclet for Life. If you want to follow, you can find videos, more discussion, and sometimes an insight into our nonsensical group chat. May heaven help you. We will see you guys as soon as we can get through this beauty of a book. And in the meantime, have the most peaceful and relaxed holiday you can. Feel free to say no to things you don't want to do and jump into things you do with both feet and thank you everybody for all of your love and support this year and um, like we were saying there's no income for the show um and you know we it's done solo for the love of the game you guys listening is all the remuneration we need and you know i mean it if you were to share um and subscribe and review and all that stuff it really would just mean the world we will see you guys later peace the holiday season is upon us Everyone has seemingly forgotten that social distancing prevents respiratory infections. Everyone is here to stand upsettingly close to you and cough directly into your hood. So here at You Will In Your Hoop, we're here to help. Come by today to grab one of our patented six-foot diameter hula hoops to bring on your next shopping spree. Want to keep COVID and RSV infections at bay? You will in your hoop. Want to keep that one lady from reaching over your shoulder to pick up the Charlotte Tilbury concealer you were looking at longingly? You will in your hoop. Will you steer the conversation away from your grandmother's weirdly homophobic opinions on the Only Fools and Horses Christmas special? You will in your hoop. May your health and personal space remain undisturbed this holiday season from everyone here at You Will In Your Hoop. Merry Christmas.